This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Wednesday, March the 23rd. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. So the Chancellor's been explaining today how he's going to try and help us all with the rising cost of living. Rishi Sunak has been making a spring statement in the Commons. A mini budget, as it were, the biggest headline to come out of it is a cut in fuel duty. First, I'm going to help motorists. Today, I can announce for only the second time in 20 years, fuel duty will be cut. Not by one, not even by two, but by five pence per litre. The biggest cut to all fuel duty rates ever. And while some have called for the cut to last until August, I have decided it will be in place until March next year, a full 12 months. Petrol prices are, as I'm sure you know, at a record high, so this will go some way to helping drivers. Howard Cox is the founder of Kent-based Fair Fuel UK, and it's something he's campaigned for for a long time. It will help the haulage industry and the logistics and distribution uh, because they are suffering considerably. Um, uh, I was speaking to a haulier only uh, yesterday, and he was telling me something along the lines of that half of his costs now are fuel simple as that and it's just not sustainable for him to do that and a 5p cut will help him keep jobs uh, and not pass on so much cost to his uh, customers. Other measures announced today then include homeowners having things like solar panels, heat pumps and insulation installed to pay no VAT for the next five years. The household support fund given to local authorities from April will double to £1 billion. The national insurance contribution threshold will be increased by £3,000 from July, meaning you can earn £12,570 a year without paying any income tax or national insurance. And the basic rate of income tax will be cut from 20p to 19p in the pound by 2024. So how should we all be feeling after today's announcement? Will we be any better off? Well, I've been speaking to Dr Catherine Robinson from the Kent Business School at the University of Kent. Well, to be fair, I think he was quite tied in terms of what he what was what was possible, uh, given the uncertainty, uh, particularly around Ukraine. Um, and the rising prices. So I think in general, there wasn't a lot in it, um, but I don't think we were expecting a lot. The The good news is, of course, the, uh, the increase in the threshold for national insurance and the slight reduction in terms of the cost of fuel so the five percent um, rebate uh, on, on fuel is, is a good thing. Does it make a substantial difference? I think, given the way things are going, I think it's it's probably not very much. Yeah, we were expecting to hear about the, the 5p cut in, in fuel duty, so it didn't perhaps come as much as a, of a surprise. When prices at the pumps have gone up quite so much, are we really going to notice a huge amount of difference? I guess it's negligible, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's just going to feel as though it's not increasing at as fast a rate as we feared, rather than necessarily feeling as though we'll get any benefits from these cuts. So I don't think it's going to make people feel as though they are receiving much, but it may not get as bad as quickly as they feared. 
Let's talk very quickly then about, um, as you mentioned there, the, the national insurance, because for lower income earners, that will be of benefit to them, won't it? Absolutely. And I think that's the really positive thing, because the situation we find ourselves in here is that the uh, the increase in inflation is having a disproportionate effect on the lower end of the wage distribution and those at the lower end of the uh, of the earnings uh, uh, earnings curve. So as a result of that, uh, this flies in the face of the leveling up agenda to some degree. So so we have a bit of a challenge that he has to uh, balance and address here, and the um, the increase in the tax free tax-free threshold is, I think, a really positive thing, particularly at that lower end. One other thing that you did mention about households was to do around um, green energy. I mean, do you think that's something that people listening to today's announcement would suddenly consider, which perhaps they hadn't done before? I don't know whether it's quite gone far enough, but I think people are seeing generally that uh, there is a need to shift into greener energy supplies for a variety of reasons. And it looks as though it's a long-term uh, prospect now. And so I think that's a very positive thing. I don't know whether they've quite gone far enough as of yet. but uh, And certainly because people will not be looking to make, I wouldn't have thought many households are looking to make those, those long-term investments at the moment, given the level of uncertainty that they're feeling around their energy bills. Uh, they may not be thinking about investment at this stage. Lauren Abbott is the editor of My Kemp Family and has also reacted to the statement and what it could mean for her family. Well, I think the Chancellor's plans will be welcomed, particularly the rising national insurance threshold and the VAT saving on petrol. It is hard to know how much of a dent Rishi Sunak's policies really are going to make. While the 5p reduction in fuel duty will no doubt put some pennies back in our pocket, and I'd really rather they were in mine than in his, it really could be just pennies considering the petrol was, what, £1.20 a litre not that long ago? The current price has taken the cost of a full tank for our family car from probably just shy of 65 to closer to £90. And the RAC tells me that today's policy will save me about £3.30, £3.20 on a tank after the reduction is applied tonight. So yes, it is a saving. And I know perhaps the VAT change has more of an impact on businesses and hauliers. But when my energy bill is going up by about £70 a month from April and our average food bill is rising by what feels about like £20 a shop, it's clawing a little back but it does remain perhaps a small drop in a notion of ever-increasing costs. We'd love to know today if you think the Chancellor has done enough to help with the rising cost of living. You can leave a comment on the question on our socials, just search for Kent Online on Facebook and Twitter. You can also read analysis to today's spring statement from our political editor, Paul Francis, at Kent Online. Kent Online News. Other top stories today and a child sex offender from Maidstone who made his victims promise to keep his abuse a secret has been jailed for 20 years. Kenneth Clark targeted victims as young as three years old between 2016 and 2019, but was eventually caught when one of them told a relative. The 65-year-old from Chapman Avenue will serve another year on licence and be subject to a sexual harm prevention order indefinitely. A football fan who assaulted a player during a Gillingham match has been banned from games for three years. Ross Mitchell pushed Teo Eden in the back after the player scored a goal for Lincoln City last August. The 39-year-old from Arden Street in Gillingham has also been ordered to pay more than at £1,200. 
Tributes are being paid today to a 22-year-old who died after being found in a critical condition near Herne Bay Railway Station. Benjamin Taylor from Birchington was taken to hospital last month but passed away four days later. His family and friends have set up a GoFundMe page to help pay for his funeral and raise money for a mental health charity. It's been revealed an Ashford mum died after falling from her bedroom window while smoking. 26-year-old Megan Alex was pronounced dead by emergency crews who were called to Repton Manor Road last August. An inquest has heard how she'd been drinking with a friend earlier in the evening. The death's been described as a tragic accident. More from the Commons now, where the Prime Minister has today described the actions of P&O ferries as callous after it sacked nearly 800 workers in a pre-recorded video. Under Section 194 of the Trades Union and Labour Relations Act of 1992, it looks to me, Mr Speaker, as though the company concerned has broken the law and we will be taking action, therefore... Boris Johnson says if the firm has gone against the rules, then it might have to pay millions of pounds. The company is adamant, though, that it didn't break any laws. Meantime, the RMT union has described an offer made to sacked staff as disgusting. The company says £36 million of compensation will be given to 800 workers with 40 employees in line for payments of more than £100,000. Ferries between Dover and Calais remain suspended. Following the shock announcement last Thursday, John worked for P&O for over 20 years. He won't be taking up their offer. It makes me very angry. This is adding insult to injury. It's not about the money. It's about the principle. The way P&O ferries have conducted themselves in cahoots with DP World is absolutely appalling. It is morally bankrupt. Now, they've made a decision not to follow due process. But because they've got lots of money, they think... That's all right. We can do that. We can run roughshod over the due process and pay our way out of it without any consequences whatsoever. This just doesn't wash. Do they think the British public are stupid? Do they think the British public are going to buy their explanation about this? They don't think UK employment law applies to P&O ferries. Yet during the start of the coronavirus crisis, they were more than happy to take taxpayers' money for the furlough scheme. The hypocrisy, it stinks. The whole thing stinks. Employees are also being given support to find a new job, but many aren't happy and another protest has been taking place in Dover today. Meantime, there has been a statement issued on behalf of the CEO of P&O, a man called Peter Hebblethwaite. This is what it says. I want to say sorry to the people affected and their families for the impact it's had on them and also to the 2,200 people who still work for P&O and will have been asked a lot of difficult questions about this. Over the last week, I've been speaking face-to-face to to seafarers and their partners. They've lost their jobs and there is anger and shock and I completely understand. We needed fundamental change to make us viable. This was an incredibly difficult decision that we wrestled with, but once we knew it was the only way to save the business, we had to act. All other routes led to the closure of P&O ferries. I wish there was another way and I'm sorry. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group. 
with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Now today marks two years since the first national lockdown because of COVID. And one Kent business has told the Kent Online podcast that some months they struggle to break even and the pandemic isn't now to blame. Kent Quality Fish opened on Chatham High Street during the pandemic and was able to keep trading as an essential shop. But they now say the town is much busier. But Brexit and the rising cost of living is having a huge impact. Our reporter Leisha Gallagher has been speaking to Mushtaq Latifi. We knew that essential shops would you know, ultimately you know, be allowed to, to be open, right? And um, one thing that we all need to do is eat. So that gave us some uh, confidence that we would be allowed to be open, right? But in terms of the business itself, right? I mean, we were really unsure in the beginning if if it really would be successful. And to be to be honest, we up to this date, uh, up to this today, even we we don't really make any profit. Uh, we barely break even uh, some months, and you know sometimes not make any profit at all. Uh, or even, you know, make a loss in some months. When you opened up with all of those restrictions in place, you probably didn't get to see the faces of those people who were coming into your shops, your loyal your loyal customers. Mm-hmm. How is it now that all of that's gone and, you know, you can see these happy faces coming in and, and see who you're serving to? Is that nice for you? Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's always good to have your regular customers because, you know, they will go out and promote your business no matter what. So the word of mouth for us is really important. Um, again, you know, we are really happy to have them, you know, and th- those are the customers that we look out to on, on the weekends when they're coming, you know, from Strood or they're coming from Sittingbourne or other areas around Chatham, you know, and it just, you know, it really gives us like the pleasure to, to help them, you know, t- to serve them. And then really, you know, kind of also boosts our morale that, you know, we still have good customers that will support us. Uh, so definitely, yeah, that, 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 that definitely is an important fact you know for us to to be open in Chatham and I guess I mean the question really is are you are you nervous that there is going to be another you know big lockdown or something like that we've we've been told it's it's not going to happen it's out of the question but I guess you never know when everything's changing kind of at the flip of a coin is that something you're nervous about because we are an essential shop right we we're not a you know a, a kind of restaurant or a bar where lockdown would be a lot worse for us we we because we have also got relatives in london who have you know got like supermarkets and small uh, fishmongers um that's not going to be a concern for us however where we do have a lot of concerns of is the current situation in brexit you know with supply chain issues uh with the current you know war in ukraine uh you know um everything that you right now go to the market or go to like suppliers or your uh, you know, where you buy your goods from has increased by 2x or 3x. So that is pushing a, us a lot more. And, you know, with that, you know, it, it could bring us to, to some extent to closure if it continues to go like that, because we can't afford, we, we bring in our, we can bring in our goods from Billingsgate market, right? That takes a lot of time and effort. Um, and it's fish, you know, it's per, uh, perishable items that can go up. So we have to be in Billingsgate. And with the price are going up, our customers, can't afford the prices anymore. So that's more of a concern with the current economic situation in the world that affects us rather than COVID. I think COVID for us is sort of, 
you know, old news. You can also read Leisha's report and see the very latest COVID stats for Kent on the website. A silence, meantime, has been held at Rochester Cathedral. Later, landmarks will be lit up and we're being encouraged to light a candle or shine a torch from our doorway at 8pm. Plans to build 2,000 homes near Maidstone have been submitted despite protests by residents. The new Lidzing Garden Village is going to be part of the council's local plan. People living in the area are worried it'll destroy thousands of acres of green space Space in the countryside, though, but bosses say they have to meet the demand for more housing. An Ashford man has set up a petition calling for carrying a catapult to be made a criminal offence. The town's got the unenviable title of Kent's catapult capital, with missiles aimed at windows, animals, and people. Well, Peter New thinks a new law would help police tackle the problem. There's a link to the petition in the story on the website. A Medway man who fears going to sleep at night because of his epilepsy says people need to be more. More aware of the condition. David Neal only suffers seizures when he's asleep. They can be quite violent and a really serious one could mean he loses consciousness and stops breathing. Well, he spends many evenings at a local McDonald's in Gillingham to try and get calm before going to bed. The 46-year-old has been speaking to reporter Jenny Horn. I'm quite lucky in reality. Um, having sleep-only related epilepsy, it doesn't matter how many seizures I have. Throughout the year, I can still drive a car. I've still got a lot of things that I can do that other people cannot do. Uh, but then the biggest problem is, is there are people that blatantly, clearly put you all under one blanket and just seem to think that because you're epileptic, because you are diagnosed epileptic, you straight away are a risk. So you face discrimination in, in your life because of it? I have to face discrimination virtually all the time. That's in uh, the career, at work, no matter what I do. I have complete and utter misunderstanding from everybody that they just don't know why my epilepsy is different. And so tell me about the reason that you come here um, of a night time. You, you have a fear of going to sleep. Yeah, because mine is sleep related only epilepsy, um, I do actually have quite a big fear of going to sleep. Um, there's another section within epilepsy known as SUDEP, uh, which is known as sudden death by epilepsy. And this is a case, especially with the seizures that I have, because mine are secondary generalised tonic clonic seizures, which are pretty violent, you do go unconscious during the processes of them. So what can happen is in that stage when you are unconscious, your brain can switch off certain parts of your body. So you could stop breathing, your heart can stop. And this is all part of SUDEP. Now, we still do not understand or know about it, but the reason I have this big fear about going to sleep at night, you imagine that happening when you go to sleep. You shut your eyes, you go to bed, and you never see that next day. That is a horror of a thought, and it, I don't know why, but it's got worse on me um, a lot, re lot more recently than it was when I was young, I will say that. And what about the after effects? When you, if, if you've had a seizure in the night, what, what's, what's the effects afterwards? The, uh, the effects afterwards when you've had a seizure, uh, they're not very nice either because, I mean, uh, a lot of people seem to think, especially within the benefit side of it, you know, when they think, oh yeah, you only have them when you're asleep. Oh, they don't have much effect on him during the day. Uh, it's very different to that, believe me. I have to have quite a complex care pack to look after me at night. You can imagine if you have your seizures in your bed, uh, you've got a high risk of injuring yourself falling out of the bed. Uh, you can actually suffocate in the covers. You need somebody else there that's actually with you. Um, I don't know how to get to the toilet afterwards at some cases, so therefore I do embarrassing things as well. Um, another thing on top of that one is that, you know, after you've had your seizures, because your brain's been traumatised, and uh, your sleep pattern hasn't gone through properly. The next days, it's like you've ran a 100-mile marathon. Um, you, you get stinking headaches, you have horrific migraines, 
And a lot of people don't realise, really, within the awareness of epilepsy, what it actually does to people. And I think, again, you know, a lot more people need to know, even sleep-only epilepsy, it has a massive impact on you. Coming to the McDonald's stores in the evenings, um, having a, a coffee, a sit-down, a drink. I don't, I don't go eating burgers every night. I can tell you that is one thing. I don't go eating the burgers every night. But, you know, sitting down, chilling out, there seems to be some sort of comfort zone up here. I don't know, um, but even like when I'm working away from home, it's the same, if there's a McDonald's nearby, I will go and sit in there for an hour, an hour and a half before I get myself ready to get my head into its normal sort of thing to go to, go to bed that night. Saturday is Purple Day, which helps raise awareness of epilepsy. Kent Online reports. It's been announced the branch of Halifax in Margate High Street will close in July. Parent company Lloyds Banking Group are shutting 60 branches across the UK following a sharp rise in online banking. One of the lions at the Big Cat Sanctuary near Ashford has died. Tiny was so unwell when he was born, he wasn't expected to survive, but made it to the grand old age of 18. Start at the Wild Animal Park in Smarden say he'll never be forgotten. Police have been called to Maidstone after what looked like a human skull was found in a carrier bag. At Kent Online, you can see a picture of the bones which were dumped in a yellow bag for life. Officers did inspect them and quickly realised they were fake. And finally today, Olympic sprinter Dina Asher-Smith has been made an honorary doctor at the University of Kent. The 26-year-old from Orpington has been recognised for her exceptional and inspirational athletic career. She spoke to us after last night's ceremony at Rochester Cathedral. I feel like when you're doing sport and when you're running and you are winning titles, that's kind of just at the forefront of your mind. That's what you train for. So, you know, if you work hard, you run fast, you win the race, you get that and you kind of expect it. But when you get recognised, I guess, by like the wider community and your home county, obviously me being from Kent, um, it feels really special because that's something that you genuinely didn't expect, if that makes sense. And it's... It's something that um, is really heartwarming because they're kind of saying, oh, um, we respect you and, and your achievements and we'd like to honour you. And, and that's, I think, is one of the, yeah, one of the most unexpected but lovely surprises of, of being, yeah, doing well in sport. I'm really always looking to, I, I guess, hopefully inspire a generation, having kind of done my own degree whilst whilst trying to be at the highest level of elite sport I definitely completely understand what each and every uni student's um, going through so in any way if I can help make that an easier better and a more fruitful experience then I'll be happy to help. The word role model I think is is something that I think I didn't really ever expect to be seen like that like for me I've just always been somebody who loves to run I love to race I love to run fast and then making silly comments with my friends <laughs> and then when everybody kind of sees you as a role model it is an honour but it's still something that I'm honestly getting used to and I just really hope that through my own actions and, and what I stand for and, and all the hard work that I put in that I can help inspire a generation through any sort of collaborations whether that be with universities, brands or any wider companies that we help really um, raise the profile of sports, raise the profile of the county and also just help any path that I've kind of been on before um, a bit easier or, or a bit more seamless for the next generation. I've got the World Championships this year and then the Commonwealth Games which are in Birmingham and then the European Championships in Munich so I've got a ridiculously busy year this year and I'm so excited. Um, they're all within like a six week period on different continents so it's going to be a very challenging but exciting um, summer ahead for me so I'm really excited. Dina is the fastest British woman in history and the current World 200 metre champion. She's also 
appeared on the cover of Vogue and GQ magazines. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone offering a range of new and approved used cars including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.